Hello, my friends. I'm going to try and cobble together some good news. I tell you, I've been doom scrolling for too long, and I want to show you a few things that gave me some hope, and maybe they'll give you hope too. But before I get to that, let me invite you to get a subscription to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast, because I'm going to show you some footage from Gaza that I think will give you some hope. Go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. You get my show every weeknight. And the satisfaction of knowing that that $8 a month might not be a lot of money to you, but it really adds up for us. That's how we pay our bills. All right, here's today's program. Tonight, I think I can scrape together some good news. It's November 14th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you sensorious bug. If you are online or extremely online, you get a distorted view of the world. That's one of the problems with young people hooked on their phones. They're fed an alternative reality, an augmented reality that comes mainly these days from a Chinese company called ByteDance, which owns TikTok. That's the leading social media app for North American teenagers. And it is a huge pipeline of propaganda. Pro-China, pro-Russia, pro-Hamas. I find that interesting myself. I'm on TikTok because I'm a news commentator. To be candid, I find a lot of information on TikTok that I don't find in the mainstream media I normally consume or even the independent media I normally consume. I always seek to verify anything I see on TikTok through other sources, but it is a window into worlds that I normally don't have. I want to see the propaganda of the other side because sometimes it's actually true on rare occasion, but even if it's not, I think I'm savvy enough to identify it as propaganda and it's still useful for me to know it, to get a read on the whole picture of the world. I want to know what the other side is saying. But what happens if you're 14 years old or 16 years old or 18 years old and you haven't really studied your own history? It's not even really taught anymore, anywhere, is it? And you aren't well grounded in your own identity, your own country's identity. You haven't heard your side of the story, but now you're immersed in your enemy's side of the story. That's what's happening. It's a direct pipeline from our enemies, foreign dictatorships, foreign propaganda networks like Al Jazeera and other state broadcasters directly into the hearts and minds of our young people. It's never happened before in history. It wasn't technically possible. I mean, imagine if Nazi Germany or Imperial Japan back in the 30s and 40s had a way to communicate directly with millions of young Americans, planting seeds of doubt, encouraging dissent, even violent dissent, normalizing being anti-patriotic, normalizing being pro-terrorism, normalizing anti-Semitism. I like to follow accounts online that inspire me, that are a role model for me. I like to follow some non-political accounts too, some comedians, some musicians, but I have always made a point of watching what my critics and opponents say to know the other side of the story, to know what I have to rebut, and occasionally to acknowledge that the other side once in a while has a point, once in a while to make me reconsider my own thoughts. So I sample from the enemy, I look at anti-Semitic and pro-Hamas and pro-woke accounts, but look, there's no way you can consume that much enemy propaganda without having it emotionally affect you. You start to think that everyone in the world is a barbarian and that everyone in the world is full of bloodlust. Everyone's cheering for violence, that countries 
far away are reverting to ancient levels of barbarity and violence and cruelty, as Hobbes would say, where life was solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. And when you see our own Canadian civility, our politeness, our mutual friendship, our high trust society, our sense of community being replaced by people who cheer for violence. And worst of all, when our own national leaders abide it and our media encourage it or hide it. I can't believe this tweet from CTV News last night. A woman was murdered by Hamas, a Canadian woman. And she was so brutalized, it took weeks to identify her remains. And here's what CTV News said, quote, Canadian peace activist Vivian Silver, who went missing after Hamas attack, has died. <laughs> really, just, just died. And here's what Trudeau's foreign minister said about the same woman, Melanie Jolie says. Vivian Silver was a proud Israeli-Canadian and lifelong advocate for peace. I met her son in Tel Aviv, and he described her as kind, generous, and selfless. Canada mourns her loss with him and her loved ones. So, so she's lost. It's a loss. She's lost. Is she? What, what happened? Did COVID get her, maybe? Why won't Melanie Jolie say what happened to her, that, that she was murdered? Why won't Jolie say who did the murder? <laughs> you know why. Oh, and another synagogue was vandalized. What does the Quinty News have to say? Place of worship vandalized. Oh, that's, that's pretty generic. I'll read the entire article to you. A place of worship in Belleville's East End was vandalized early Tuesday. City police report a congregation member called saying he'd advised a man who approached the, build, the front of the building at 6.30 in the morning that it was closed to the public. At that point, it's alleged the man walked to the west side of the place of worship and smashed a window. Police arrived quickly and arrested a 44-year-old suspect from British Columbia and charged him with mischief under $5,000. He was held for a bail hearing. Police say there is no evidence to suggest the crime was hate motivated. Oh, really? Is that the case? Then, then why won't you say it's a synagogue? And, and what is the name of the accused attacker? You'd have to check a different newspaper to learn any actual facts about it. It's a synagogue, of course. My point is, if you only look at the world through a certain lens, it looks pretty bleak. The kids call it doom scrolling. When people keep going through their social media feeds hour after hour, just consuming more and more and more bleak news, I do that sometimes. But doom scrolling can get you down. Sometimes you just have to put the cell phone down and go outside for a walk, I say, giving myself advice. And although we have to be skeptics, and I'd rather be a pessimist who's proven wrong than an optimist who's proven wrong, I hate saying the words, I told you so. But I still think maybe once in a while we ought to take a moment to look at some good news. It's not great news, but it is not completely bleak out there. Let me share with you some okay news. For one thing, today... There are about a quarter million people who marched in Washington, D.C. in support of Israel and against anti-Semitism. And it was peaceful. And there were no threats and no calls for genocide or jihad. There were Israeli flags and U.S. flags, too. And it was positive. It was sad, but it was positive. And the fact that a quarter million Jews and righteous Gentiles went out to march is remarkable. I mean, the woke left are professional activists. They are often students or government workers or even people on social assistance. They are at leisure, let's say. They're the kind of perpetual rent-a-mob mob with professional activists and organizers like public sector union bosses and Antifa types. But the crowd today was very different, severely normal people 
who don't usually go to protests. I found it encouraging. I even saw some Democrats there, and that made me feel good, not because I like Democrats, but because it confirmed for me that no, the entire Democratic Party has not yet lost its mind and gone full Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, full Ilhan Omar, and that there are even some Democrats willing to stand for Israel's right to exist and Israel's right to fight back against a Nazi-style terrorist group. Here's a U.S. State Department spokesman, Matthew Miller is his name, actually pushing black back on the blood libel that Israel is attacking hospitals. Listen to this yesterday. We would love to see all the people that are calling for Israel to take steps to protect hospitals call for Hamas to vacate the hospitals and stop using civilians as human shields. We would love to see Hamas take some of the fuel reserves it's sitting on and use that to supply hospitals in northern Gaza. Uh, we would love to see Hamas have taken the fuel that Israel offered it yesterday that they declined for use at Al-Shifa Hospital. So it's a very difficult situation. Um, uh, and I would say as a principle, I'll just restate what I said at the top, is we do not want to see civilians caught in the crossfire. I found that clarity surprising and encouraging. Here's the German chancellor standing up to the new Hamas Nazis just yesterday. Aren't you glad to hear this in German? Israel um eine Demokratie. Auch das muss sehr klar gesagt werden und auch darüber gibt es keinen Zweifel und das werden wir auch in jedem Gespräch und bei jeder Gelegenheit betonen, dass das unsere Sicht der Dinge ist. Ein Land im Übrigen, das, die, das sich den Menschenrechten, das sich dem Völkerrecht verpflichtet fühlt und in seinen Aktionen auch dementsprechend handelt. Und deshalb sind die Vorwürfe, die gegen Israel da erhoben werden, absurd und daran kann es gar keinen Zweifel geben. That's good news. I mentioned to you the other day that the Muslim Brotherhood Front Group called the National Council of Canadian Muslims, they commissioned a poll about Canadian views on Hamas. Only 8% of Canadians called Hamas freedom fighters. The rest saw them as terrorists or a front group for Iran. I'm sort of surprised that the NCCM published that poll anyways because it makes them look so obscure and marginal and radical. And I also see the latest polling numbers federally for the election, and Justin Trudeau has never been this low. It's his worst ever. He's almost behind the NDP. He's almost in third place. And yes, there are lots of reasons besides his handling of the Hamas-Israel issue, of course. Inflation, cost of living, cost of housing, crime, his bizarre carbon tax, his carbon tax exemption just for his friends, a zillion things. I know that. But those were all in effect five weeks ago. He has fallen to a record low in the past five weeks, and I put it to you that his handling of the war issue is part of it. He'll never be pro-Hamas enough for the extremists, but his attempt to pander to them nonetheless is so palpable and so gross to the majority of Canadians who see it for what it is. I actually think that his approach to the war is hurting him in the polls. He'll never be able to outbid the kooky NDP and Green Party in terms of anti-Semitism. So he's losing some Islamist support to them, but he's losing more normal Canadian voters because he's so awfully apologetic for Hamas and he so grossly smears Israel. And then you have atrocious comments like Melanie Jolie. I say again that one of the safest places in the world right now to be a Jew, as crazy as it sounds, is the United Arab Emirates. Because they don't allow pro-Hamas marches. They don't allow actual violence of pro-terrorist or uh, pro-terrorist activism. I've heard it said about Saudi Arabia, too. Look at this news story. It's an Arab report, but it cites the Wall Street Journal that says the Saudi military apparently shot down a ballistic missile shot by Iran-backed extremists in Yemen that was aimed at Israel. I saw an 
unsourced report that Jordan did the same thing about a missile shot from Iraq. Now, you have to take these reports with a grain of salt. Maybe it was an Israeli interceptor or maybe an American one. There's two aircraft carriers out there. But my point is just because Hamas and its sponsor Iran and its safe harder Qatar and all the Western universities, because they all love Hamas, doesn't mean the rest of the Arab world does. A lot of countries are not thrilled about what Israel is doing, but they understand that Hamas launched a brutal terrorist attack, one that Israel had to respond to, and one that was clearly designed to fracture the Abraham Accords peace deal. And that accord was seeing remarkable peace progress between Israel and its Arab neighbors. I think that peace remains in place. I think that is good news. But here's what I think is the best news. Put aside the politics, put aside the media spin, the street marches. What is happening to Hamas itself? Well, the Israeli Defense Forces are actually destroying Hamas. They found hundreds of tunnels. They found hundreds of weapons caches. And they've taken out hundreds, likely thousands, of terrorists. They've sealed off northern Gaza, cut it off from the other parts, and are clearing it of terrorists. Here, watch some of the footage. I was really worried that attacking Gaza would be like Stalingrad in the Second World War. Here's a movie about it called Enemy of the Gates. It was one of the bloodiest battles in world history. Every single Russian was fighting against hundreds of thousands of Nazis in a city. But that's not happening here. Gaza has tens of thousands of terrorists. It's true. And they hide behind 2.2 million citizens. It's true. But those civilians themselves have no intention of being soldiers. Israel opened up safe corridors for them to move to the south Hamas actually shot some of the civilians who left. Hamas wanted the human shields to stay, but with the civilians gone and Hamas cut off, Israel has gone in and had remarkable success. I was terrified of Israel's soldiers getting bogged down in urban warfare and those terrifying underground tunnels. Here's one of their tunnel solutions, dogs. Here's a tunnel being exploded. I've heard reports that Israel pumps in purple smoke and they see where the smoke comes out to see where the ventilator shafts are. There's all sorts of technological ideas so that they're not trapped in these tunnels hunting for Hamas. As you know, Hamas has always been quick to accuse Israel of targeting hospitals because they know Israel doesn't want to do that, and the Western media would be shocked by that. Hence the false accusation about a month ago of Israel allegedly launching a rocket at a hospital. It turned out to be a terrorist rocket gone awry. But of course, Hamas does actually have its main base underneath 
the biggest hospital in Gaza. Think about that. They actually did it on purpose. They used the biggest hospital as a giant human shield, knowing that Israel would never attack Hamas headquarters for that reason. By the way, the United States attacked the big hospital in Mosul, Iraq, when the U.S. was taking out ISIS. And that was just normal warfare, collateral damage. That was just a few years ago. But I guess the rules are different for Israel. Anyway, so Israel evacuated the hospital and helped to do so. Israel has actually brought in its own doctors, obviously, and has helped ordinary people in Gaza. But now that the big hospital is cleared out of civilians, Hamas no longer has its human shields. Here, let me show you what one other hospital looked like yesterday when Israel found it. I, I showed a bit of this yesterday. You can see the tunnel. The tunnel is let down more than 20 meters down. The robot found a door, a door that is bulletproof. It's, uh, it's explosive proof. So it looks like a hard evidence, a clear evidence that the hospital direction is connected. This is a covered tunnel. It's part of the same floor and it slides down here. So it's a covered tunnel so nobody can find it. This is Rantisi Hospital. And this is the place where I showed you the tunnel. I want you to see. We are now, we are now in the area of the basement of the hospital. I want to show you a room where we found all the gear, the operational gear of Hamas. Hamas is using hospitals, like we showed the evidence in Shifa Hospital, in other hospitals. Today there is more video footage of Israeli troops taking command bunkers and other hidden headquarters, as well as the legislature of Gaza, which of course hasn't been used. Gaza is not a democracy. Hamas won one election, and that's the only election that's ever been held. What's so scary to me is that Hamas has fled and taken their hostages with them, but Israel has scoured northern Gaza of most of its terrorists and is about to close in on the headquarters. Unfortunately, Hamas leaders have always been safe in Qatar or other countries. The head of the snake won't easily be cut off. But here's my point. Public relations and spin is a battleground. Politics and media, that is a battleground. And that's what we care about in the news business, of course, but the real battleground is the battle on the ground. And in remarkable time, with remarkably few casualties, both the Israelis and Gaza civilians, Israel has extirpated Hamas terrorists from half the Gaza Strip and freed from the threat of Hamas. Some civilians are actually starting to talk candidly about having terrorists run the city, terrorists, by the way, who flee the city when the shooting starts against them. Look, hard days lie ahead for sure. And who knows what Joe Biden will try to order Israel to do or what Iran and Hezbollah might try and do. Who knows? It might be about to turn especially bleak. But for now, the military success against Hamas is some good news. Make no mistake, this will be a war until the end. Hamas says so themselves. <laughs> Hamas 
So either the war, as Hamas wants, will be fought long and slow and painfully, or Israel destroys Hamas now before Hamas can attack again and again as they threaten to do. Look, war is never good news. But the speedy conclusion of this war could mean the eventual peace will come more quickly and hopefully will come soon. And when it does, Israel has some important questions it has to answer, like how could that attack have happened in the first place? What went wrong? And, and what is the path forward for Gaza? And what will happen to Iran? But we here in Canada and across the West will have important questions we need to answer too, like how do we denazify our own country of the masses of pro-violence haters that we have seen on our streets these past weeks? Stay with us for more. I hate the most about COVID is how it normalized wearing masks. I mean, unless you were a welder or a dentist, the only people who wore masks were bank robbers and terrorists. It's something that Antifa and pro-Hamas extremists have taken advantage of where they can, first of all, hide their own identity, making it harder to identify them if they break the law. And second of all, it's menacing. There's a reason why we show each other our faces, why we smile, why we show each other our eyes. The phrase, look them in the eye. The eye is the window to the soul. There's a lot of terrible things that happen by allowing masking to become normal again. And one pro-Hamas student in Canada recently thought that she would go full mask on, in a way, dropping her mask and revealing what's in her heart. This feels like an ISIS video, because I think it sort of is. Here, watch a two-minute video by someone who purports to be a student in Ontario. Watch this, and we'll talk about it afterwards. Take a look. We are a group of high school students in Ontario that are appalled and disgusted by the Ontario District School Board's silencing of pro-Palestinian voices. Our mission is to ensure that Palestinian children and teens feel safe expressing their identity at school and in public spaces. As Palestinians who grew up in the Canadian school system, we have been denied our identities and heritage by many teachers and staff members. Many teachers growing up have always pressured us into questioning our identities and made us feel guilty for being who we are. We have been treated as second class to Israelis. We are sick and tired of telling the world that we exist and constantly having to prove our existence to people. We want teachers and school staff and the school board to be held accountable for anti-Palestinian rhetoric and we want them to face consequences if they attack or harass children into feeling inadequate for being born Palestinian. We have a list of demands. If our demands fail to be met, then it will be clear to all of us that our education system targets indigenous populations and does not actually believe that indigenous people deserve rights. Put your words into action if you truly stand for indigenous people. We demand a section in our curriculum that focuses on teaching the history of colonization and ethnic cleansing of Palestine. We also want students to understand Canada's role and complicity of land theft in Palestine. 
We demand that Palestine is acknowledged and studied extensively during the lessons on World War I and II during history classes. We demand that Palestinian students be treated equally and given a safe space in school to grieve for their families and communities that have been subject to senseless death by Israel. Palestinian and non-Palestinian students alike have been crying every night because of how helpless they feel towards the plight of Palestinians in Gaza. We demand that the Ontario District School Board acknowledge that Palestinians are being ethnically cleansed. We deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. We deserve to be who we are without fearing unjust consequences on our education and future endeavors. We are calling all pro-Palestinian voices to shake the ground on November 13th with students across the province. To shake the ground. You know, it's a little bizarre to have someone masked like that uh, in the dark, making a list of demands. The one thing that stood out to me the most was that the enemy she talked about was Israelis, which she implies that there are hordes of Israelis in school in Ontario, and they're the favored ones. You know, I got to tell you, I would be surprised if there were 10 Israelis in the Toronto District School Board. Maybe there's a few more, but I don't think that there are many Israelis going to school in Toronto. I mean, maybe there are a few. I think it's pretty obvious that she meant to say those damn Jews, but that sounds a little bit racisty. I actually don't believe that our schools are anti-Palestinian. In fact, I think most uh, teachers are so woke, they're pro-Palestinian. I, I don't even believe that uh, the new Holocaust education programs will have any effect. They'll show Schindler's List for an hour, and anti-Semites like this young girl will watch it and probably take notes on how Hitler did it. Uh, Just the other day, we saw a a principal of a school in Brampton um, engage in insane and obscene anti-Semitic social media posts, so much that the education minister had to weigh in on the subject. I simply don't believe her allegations. But I I think the main story here is that you have Palestinian youth, or she claims to be Palestinian, for all we know she's not, mimicking the style of terrorists, normalizing the style of terrorists, a mass face threatening demands. Joining us to talk about this is our friend Sue Ann Levy, who writes for True North. Sue Ann, great to see you again. Great to see you, Ezra. You know, I I just I just can't get over the fact that she's just sick of all those Israelis in Ontario. There are some Israelis in Ontario, but that's obviously not what she's talking about. No, it was uh, you know, she dressed her anti-Semitism in the guise of Israelis. And that's been the big one of the big issues throughout this the five weeks since October seventh is that uh, Jew haters will say, oh, I only hate Zionists or I only hate, hate Israel or the government of Israel. Israel's a Jewish state. Uh, Zionists are largely or Jews are largely Zionists. So they're really talking about Jews. You know that, Ezra, and I know that. You know, um, I, I want to say if there was discrimination against Arab or Muslim kids in schools, if teachers were bigoted against them, if they were de- demeaning them or defaming them, I would be against that. Of course. I mean, that, that would be absurd and obscene. I have seen no evidence of that whatsoever, not even on social media, not even allegations of that. What I have seen are just today, a synagogue in, uh, I think it was in Barrie, 
was vandalized and neither the police nor the media identified it as a synagogue. They talked about a place of worship. They wouldn't even say it was a synagogue. You had to find out for yourself. We know that a Jewish school in Montreal was shot with a gun twice in a week. We know that a um, synagogue in Montreal had a Molotov cocktail thrown at it. So I, I can see without my own eyes, I can see the hate marches in our streets. I can see the vandalism. I, I can see the don't buy from Jews boycotts against Jewish owned or Jewish themed businesses. I see all that. And for her to have a terrorist style demand video, I think it's an attempt to try and take some moral sympathy away from the Jews by pretending that she has been through this same suffering. But I think the number one takeaway for me is they're practicing that jihadist style. They're affecting the style. They're, they're following their role models. And, and, you know, there may be a thousand or 10,000 who go through the motions, but maybe one out of every 10,000 will actually act on it by smashing something, vandalizing something, yeah. shooting something. I think they're psychologically training a whole generation of people to actually move from uh, extreme words to issuing demands to what comes next. Well, I think we're just this close to violence in Toronto and Montreal, for example. And it, it scares me because the anger on the streets of Toronto and of Montreal, but particular Toronto, because I'm here in Toronto, um, has just been unbelievable, horrific. And, uh, you know, the banging on the windows of Jewish-owned businesses and the intimidation of people at Aroma Cafe, for example, the Israeli-owned Aroma Cafe. And I think my my concern is because the politicians, because our police force, they're trying to handle it, but they're not really handling it that well, and our politicians aren't saying enough is enough, uh, that these people will be emboldened, and it'll just ramp, continue to ramp up. That is my concern. And this young lady... Uh, has nothing to complain about. Absolutely nothing to complain about. The school system, CDSB and other boards are so woke that all I've been seeing is real Jew hatred on social media from various and sundry people within the school system, teachers, administrators. What is she complaining about? I think she's just trying to jump on this bandwagon of, you know, poor me, the victimization. And I also say to you that when I watched her making her demands, it reminded me of Black Lives Matter during the Pride Parade, sitting at the corner of Young and Dundas or Young and College, making their list of demands. What is it with these people who feel they're oppressed making all these demands? Yeah, the weird thing was she was talking about Indigenous rights, but she's yeah. she's not from canada i mean it's it's sort of bizarre that she's here talking about uh decolonization when uh either her or her parents immigrated here i find that very weird of course jews have been in the holy land since they were uh expelled from egypt thousands of years ago well um, she's trying to say that israel is a colonial state this is their their favorite buzzwords it's yeah. Well, Occupation, I mean, it, it, it's appropriating the language of the Jews. You're committing yeah. a Holocaust. You're committing a genocide. You're genocide. the war yeah. criminals. Yeah. You're the haters. Yeah. You have colonized. And, and you know, I've seen more swastikas in the last month than I have maybe in my entire year combined, my entire life uh, combined. And it's 
trying to demonize and denormalize the Jews as Nazis. The, the, the target of the Nazis, the victims mm-hmm. of the Nazis, are being Nazified by the pro-Hamas types. I find it incredible, but I think it's sort of, I think they're testing the limits, Sue Ann. It's like they are, that, and, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say that the politicians uh, are so weak that there are no consequences. And yes, they are testing the limits. You know that. I know that. And nobody's pushing back on them. I went to a Jewish rally, uh, pro-Israel rally on Sunday. It was so quiet. It was so peaceful. No calls to uh, boycott uh, falafel. St- I mean, a shawarma stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, no calls to, uh, you know, go after Palestinian businesses or gas the Palestinians. I mean, their language is so inflammatory. Uh, it's unreal. You know, the only twinkle of hope I can find is in a poll by Main Street Research, commissioned by the National Council for Canadian Muslims, which is a Muslim Brotherhood front group. They found that fewer than 10 percent of Canadians regard Hamas as freedom fighters. Like the overwhelming number of Canadians hate this. And I think that's one of the reasons why Justin Trudeau is at an all time low in the polls. Mm -hmm. I think if you over consume social media, you think, oh my God, everyone is against Israel and the Jews and the world has supporting terrorism Mm -hmm. now because all the institutions feel that way and social media is that way. But I think Ordinary Canadians, I, I hope this, Sue Ann. I hope they're appalled. And you're right. And and by the way, I am open to the possibility that that Palestinians or Arabs or Muslims could be targeted. I'm open to that possibility. I'm not saying it's impossible. But like you say, mm-hmm. there's not mobs watching, marching through the streets, chanting for the death of ma- Muslims. You're not seeing, you know, boycotts. You're not seeing threats. You're not seeing. You're not seeing any of that. You're not even seeing musing of it. And and I think yeah. I think I hope that's got to be detectable by ordinary Canadians. Um, but he, let me give you an example. Here's this a fella, an Iranian activist. I. I don't have proof of it, but I'm quite sure he's given his social media feed. I mean, I, I follow him on Twitter. He's just regurgitating every single thing that the government of Iran puts forward. So I assume he's a um, mm-hmm. an agent of Iran, whether he's paid or not. Uh, he did this stunt where he went into Cafe Landwer, ordered a drink, and then returned it saying <sighs> it tastes like blood. The yeah. Filipino cashier didn't know what was going on. He had his daughter there, mm-hmm. and the whole thing was right. filmed. Just a bizarre, gross, weird, mm-hmm. racist mm-hmm. protest that didn't even make sense. I don't even think the, the, the Filipino cashier understood what was going on. Here's a quick clip of that. Take a look. For humanitarian purpose, they made a mistake and they bought from this company. Yeah. So it's really company. Yeah. These guys are supporting Palestine. So we want to return it. They yeah. bought it by accident. I am the taxo. Okay. Uh, what I'll do, I'll just give the drinks to you for free, and then I'll refund the money. Okay. We know we don't want to drink it. That's like drinking okay. blood. Oh. For us, like so, we gotta support Palestine, okay. and you know how it is, right? Yeah. You know what's going on. Yeah. And I. You, you know what's happening there? Genocide. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about it? I feel so bad. You know, nobody deserves that one, especially yeah. the kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't uh, look into it, and I'll give a refund. Okay. Right? Yeah, I appreciate that. Yes. Thank you very much. God bless. I know you're from Philippines, right? Yeah. Filipinos are good people. They always stand for, for human rights and for justice. Yeah, I told her I'm sorry. You so bad. Yeah, thank you. After just give me a second to see the... That guy is testing the limits. He's seeing what he can get away with. If he were a white man going into a black restaurant and saying racist things about lynchings or whatever, he would probably be arrested. 
But he's testing what he can get away with against the Jews, and now he knows, and he'll go a little bit further. And I, I did my show on him last night. He had this super gross fake Remembrance Day ceremony where he said uh, Remembrance Day should be about our Hamas martyrs. Like, he's so, so <laughs> gross. He's testing what he can get away with. And the answer with our media and our politicians is, so far, unlimited. They can literally do, I have seen no comeuppance whatsoever. And they'll keep going until someone is killed. When you shoot at a Jewish school twice, mm -hmm. uh, I think mm -hmm. it's fair to assume you're trying to kill someone and kill a child. There mm -hmm. will be murder before this is done, Sue Ann. I'm certain of it. I do not relish that, that fact. But how can that it gentleman, not happen? That gentleman, I hesitate to call him a gentle, Firis Al-Najim. I wrote about him a couple of years ago when I was still with Post Media. And... Uh, he, he's been harassing Jewish neighborhoods and showing up at Jewish pro, uh, rallies nonstop and trying to threaten people. He uh, came up to somebody in a wheelchair in a, a park where Jews frequent a couple of years ago. I think he's uh, not all there. And to take his daughter into Cafe Landwar to pull his little stunt, which didn't go anywhere. And I think most people have his number. But the problem is he isn't stopped. Yeah. And... You know, frankly, we Jews are far too polite. We don't, you know, we we say, okay, well, he's just a nutcase. But these people are emboldened. They keep doing what they're doing because they don't get stopped. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many Muslims are in Canada. Is it one and a half million, two million now? And even if only one in a thousand believes everything and takes it to its ultimate conclusion. I've always said this about the rhetoric about Donald Trump. You have, I mean, for years, the mainstream media demonized Donald Trump as a Nazi. How, how outlandish that is now. We actually see real Nazis. We see real Nazism. And the same New York Times and BBC and CBC can't bring themselves to say it. But they called Trump a Nazi. And what worried me about that is if you tell 350 million Americans, 330 million Americans, that Trump is a Nazi, what if one in a million, one in a million actually believes it and says, oh, my God, this guy's the new Hitler. I have to stop him from doing what Hitler did. And what if one person says, I've got like, you know, that that uh, thought experiment, if you could go back in time, would you kill Hitler? Mm -hmm. it's, it's just a mental mm -hmm. experiment. But what if someone mm -hmm. thought this really is Hitler? I have to kill him to save humanity. And and I say mm -hmm. the same thing here. If the entire Arab Muslim immigrant, woke, institutional community is saying Jews are the new Nazis, Jews are the devils, Jews are committing genocide, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. all these, you know, Israelis, Zionists, no, you mean Jews. And what mm -hmm. if one in a thousand, one in 10,000, one in a hundred thousand, God forbid, acts on it, that's, that is a, a, an act of terrorism lurking, waiting, and when you're dressing up and fetishizing the terrorist look, that was a terrorist look of that young woman. She was yes, going for that was. terrorist look on purpose. That's not how Canadians talk. If she has a grievance, say it. If, she, if something bad happened to her at school, say it. Report it. There will be no shortage of journalists to report it. There's no, no mm -hmm. shortage of politicians who will come by to, to help her. Uh, mm -hmm. She did that for the menace of it. We have a list of demands yeah. against the Israelis. I, yeah. I think that that was a disgusting show of young people yeah. saying, how far can I go? And they're LARPing right now, live action role playing. They're LARPing being terrorists. But then someone's mm -hmm. going to take it seriously and there will be violence. We've already seen, thank God they haven't mm -hmm. killed anybody, Molotov cocktails and, sh and shots. There will be violence, Sue Ann. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, that is my big concern. Yeah. Well, I don't know where hope will come from. I, I don't see it in our federal government. The Jews in Parliament have been marginalized completely. It's pitiful to me to see Jewish MPs like uh, Anthony Housefather of Montreal and Yara Sachs in Toronto bleat on Twitter, oh, this is terrible. And I'm thinking you're cabinet ministers. You're literally cabinet yeah. ministers and you're right. reduced to whining on Twitter because the liberal Hamas caucus dominates that government. There's nothing more pitiful than a liberal party mm -hmm. Jew who's doing a Woody Allen shtick. I don't know what to do. I'm so nervous. Because the government, yeah. the government is absolutely pro-Hamas. Absolutely. The most yeah. pro-Hamas government in the G7. I think that Trudeau yeah. is the only prime minister who has not yet visited Israel in solidarity out of the G7. Rishi Sunak. Joe Biden, mm -hmm. Emmanuel Macron, the German chancellor, mm -hmm. uh, the Italian mm -hmm. prime minister. I think every G7 country, I think, has gone except for Canada. I'd have to check that out. Justin Trudeau, mm -hmm. who's at a record low in the polls, knows that this is his base. This and the CBC yeah. journalists. Last words to you, Sue Ann. Well, you know, I, I have been watching this for, five, well, a long time, but the last five years, I could see the rise in anti-Semitism from the left and from uh, the Arab contingent. I uh, covered it many years ago, uh, one of the first to cover it, and I really feared that it would explode, and here we are. And everybody denied it, buried their heads in the sand, including my own community, and uh, look what's come. The chickens have come to roost, unfortunately. You know, I let me throw in a coda. I I was born and raised outside Calgary. I went to school in the country. I, my sister and I were the only Jews in the school. Um, my entire life, I did not have a single anti-Semitic incident. Not one. Mm -hmm. And I grew up mm -hmm. and I traveled to every redneck place. Not one drop of bigotry or anti-Semitism. And I would tell you if I saw it, I simply did not. This is not Canada. This is being imported en masse. We have not integrated mm -hmm. or assimilated. We have not vetted or demanded that newcomers to Canada subscribe to our view of pluralism and nonviolent solutions to problems and separation of mosque and state. We have not demanded that. And I, and I know that this is not Canada, but it is becoming Canada. If you bring in millions of people without testing for a cultural fit. And by that, I mean, you know, do we agree to live in peace with each other and not bring mm -hmm. ancient great grievances and hatreds here? This will become Canada and we will wreck the beautiful place that we've lived in. I find it very sad. So when uh, your mm -hmm. article in True North is called pro-Palestine student activists need to be educated about Israel and Gaza, alas, I don't think education will work. They have a deep, deep, no. deep hatred. Great to see you, my friend. Keep up the fight. Nice to see you. And Kate, stay safe, my dear. I will. You too. There you have it. Sue Ann Levy of True North. Stay with us. Your letters to me next. Hey, welcome back. You know, in my discussion with uh, Sue Ann, I said Barry instead of Belleville. It was the Belleville Synagogue that was uh, vandalized. I, um, you can get down in the dumps when you look around and all you see are the haters. But Richard Nixon is the one who talked about the silent majority. And 
he said, just because crickets are making a lot of noise doesn't mean that they're only people in a field. It could be a lot of cattle quietly chewing. He had a, he said it more poetically than that. And it's been such a disastrous five weeks, not just for the terrorist barbarity that happened to Israel on October 7th, but everything since. It's been terrible to see what's happened across the West since. But maybe these polls that I've quoted are a sense of comfort. And maybe, maybe it's not just you and me who are repulsed by seeing this new form of Nazism on the streets. Maybe other Canadians and Americans are. And aren't you heartened by what Germany is saying and doing? Doesn't that feel good? for the country that got it so wrong 80 years ago to get it so right these days. And isn't it interesting to see the Democrats who are atrocious on these things, at least some of them speaking out today. I don't know. I want to stay hopeful. That's what we have to do. You know, Islamism is a death cult. They all want to be a martyr. Whereas I think the Christian, the Judeo-Christian West is about life. I mean, a lot of Christian teachings are about life, the phrase pro-life. And the Jews, when they say l'chaim, it's a form of saying cheers in Hebrew, that actually means to life, l'chaim. And uh, I don't know if you've, you you may not recognize it, Jews who wear necklaces somewhere a little Star of David, but somewhere two little letters that say chai, which means life. I think this really is a battle between the forces of lightness, light and darkness and the forces of life and death. And the Judeo-Christian West and others too, not just them, I mean, Hindus and Sikhs and, and, and moderate Islam, they believe in life. But these death cult, Hamas, ISIS, Nazis, they love death and they want to deal it. And hopefully the lovers of life will prevail. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom.